Well, good morning, church. It's great to be here with you. I am Mike Bechtold. I'm the youth pastor here. And I want to say a special welcome to any uh, young adults or college students uh, in our room, Lord. It is so uh, great to have you back with us and to, uh, to see you again. And just want you to know that I would love to connect with you uh, and to talk with you, maybe grab some coffee and just talk more about what does it mean to get connected here at Crossview as a young adult or college kid. So feel free to reach out to me and let's connect on that, all right? So with school just days away and kickoff events just around the corner, many of us are anticipating some sort of change. Okay, and for many of us, that could be a good thing because it's with uh, school, career, or family, but we're constantly finding ourselves in seasons of change. I recall back in uh, August of 2005, I was laying in my bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and I was wide awake. I, my eyes were staring at the ceiling because my mind would not stop racing about how excited I was that in less than five hours I would be jumping in my car and driving a few hours north for my first day at college. And I'm sure many of us can remember what that meant, right? It meant freedom, right? Freedom. We, uh, you know, you get to be on our own away from the rules of my parents and I get to make my own choices, meet new friends, and uh, basically get a fresh start to life. And the expectations and lifestyle of a high school no, matter, no longer mattered, and I was excited to begin a new season with a fresh start. And some of us are now entering into a season like this. Kids going off to school, or may, perhaps you're beginning a new job. Maybe you just found out you're pregnant, or your kid's due date is just around the corner. Um, or maybe you're just excited for the regular routines to begin once again, because summer has a way of throwing that off. And so seasons like this are exciting and enjoyable, and we so look forward to these things. But I also recognize that some of us may be entering into a difficult season, a season of pain. I can vividly remember back in 10th grade, I had worked as a car detailer at our local dealership, and so I was cleaning off a car one, uh, one night, and I got an unexpected phone call from my dad. So I answered it, and he began to say words that you just never want to hear from your parent. And he told me that he had just found out that he had some pretty big cysts on his kidney. And that sinking feeling just begins to set in. And, uh, you know, because now we were in a season where we had to wait for test results to, to let us know whether or not it was cancerous. And, uh, you know, you just you sit there and you begin to let your mind wander. And as a teenager, my mind began wondering, like, what if my dad's uh, cysts were cancerous? You know, what, what if my dad did die? Would my mom be able to pay for the bills? Would we have to move and change? And you know, the, on and on, your mind just begins to race in these moments. And I knew that I wasn't the only one. I mean, I could see just the look in my dad's face that he was wondering the same things because we were all in this season of unknown, this season of fear and pain. And I was reminiscing with my dad a few days ago about this event in our family's life, and he made this profound comment that sometimes all you have left is faith. And some of us may be finding ourselves entering a season like this where all that you have left is faith, waiting on test results, loved ones going off to war, dealing with death or divorce, and basically entering into a season of life that you so desperately are not looking forward to. And whether it's good or bad, the events leading up to the change can be just as difficult. I mean, once you're in the midst of change, the, the newness of good things wears off or you're already beginning to navigate the bad things. And so it becomes part of your daily life. 
But there's that space right before the change happens, that anticipation can really get to you. And this is where we see anxiousness and worry begin to set in because you're fearful of the unknown. And even in exciting situations, the stress can get to you as you're preparing for this change. And so our life is filled with roller coasters of emotions as we navigate the good and the bad changes. And during the Wayfinding series this last year, uh, we got to hear the big picture of God's story through the life of Israel. And that is their story. It's this roller coaster of good and bad changes throughout their history. And so this morning, I invite us to open up to Isaiah 43. Okay, and as we're gearing up for a new season, we're going to camp here a little old school in the Old Testament uh, as we look at some prophetic words that can help us get ready for the changes that we are about to encounter. So Isaiah 43, but before we begin, let me pray. So Father God, we lift up these words now. Lord, give us ears to hear that we can read your word and uh, Lord, speak truth to us now. Um, so we pray blessing on this time in your name. Amen. So Isaiah 43, we're going to kind of piece through different sections of this passage, but we're going to start at verse 14 through 17. So this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all of its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned their lives, snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. So we are once again going back to the amazing story of Israel, and it was a story that they had heard time and again. And now the reality is, as they're hearing these words, they are actually in exile in Babylon. And so they too had nothing left but faith. And throughout these stories, the history of Israel is constantly getting news of of punishment and promise. And there's this roller coaster. I mean, can you imagine the constant anticipation and anxiousness that they must have with a history like theirs? But here we're not only reminded of Israel's story, but we are reminded of who God is. Verse 14, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. We see God do this a lot in scripture, don't we? Telling Israel, remember who I am. Declaring his power and authority in our world because they have become distracted by the uh, circumstances around them. And it's pretty fitting for us too. I mean, when life is good and easy, to, it's easy for us to forget that we need God. Or when there's too much chaos around us, we tend to get too distracted and difficult to focus on God's voice of power and authority. So we need reminders in our life. And something to notice about this story is that here in the Exodus, that it reminds us that God was the one who orchestrated it all. It was God who had parted the seas and the one who defeated the Egyptian army. I mean, when we read this story, we can make it so much about Moses or about how Israel walked out of Egypt. But the reality is that it is God. He made it happen. And we cannot forget about the importance of God in our stories because our stories tell the world about God. We are a part of his story. 
And so we begin uh, in this passage with, with an amazing testimony of what God did here in Israel. And then there's verse 18. But forget all of that. It is nothing compared to what I'm about to do. I mean, wait, so they are being told to forget one of the most important stories in their history. I mean, are you serious? I mean, think about, uh, remember, they're in exile. And so these stories of hope are all that they have left. The stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses leading the Hebrews out of Egypt, and Joshua conquering city after city in the promised land, the amazing actions of judges like Deborah and Samson and the reign of King David and all those who followed these are important key stories of their history, the never forget moments of Israel. And they are told to forget them because they haven't seen anything yet. I mean, how is God going to top that? It's like having Taylor Swift come as a surprise to your birthday party or Neil Diamond for you older folks, right? <laughs> and it's like, after that happens, you're like, wait a second, forget that. You haven't seen anything yet. I mean, can you imagine the look on their faces when they're told that their history was nothing compared to what God was about to do? Talk about being anxious. And so he continues to describe this in verse 19, and he says, For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals and owls too for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I have made Israel for myself and they will someday honor me before the whole world. What God was about to do was going to change the world. And now we're being reminded of God's promise it's made so many years ago that through Israel, they would be a blessing to the world. And do you hear how much hope is in these worlds to be a people who are in a season of pain with nothing left but faith? And God tells them that in the desert you are finding yourself in now, you will be refreshed with water. And if you're like me, when you're entering into a hard season, words like this matter because it motivates us to keep moving forward in the midst of pain. And even in good seasons, this becomes a reminder that God is at work around us and we get to be a part of that movement. And so that's the good news Israel was given, the anticipation for something greater that was about to happen. But then there's the bad news. Look at verse 22. But, dear family of Jacob, you refuse to ask for my help. You have grown tired of me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep or goats for burnt offerings. You have not honored me with sacrifices, though I have not burdened you or wearied you with requests for grain offerings and frankincense. You have not brought me fragrant calamus or pleased me with the fat from sacrifices. Instead, you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your faults. So the reality is they screwed up. They ignored God when they should have ran to him and they were going to have to now deal with the consequences of their actions which got them into exile in the first place. We see this in our own life too and perhaps maybe the season you're entering into is because of a choice you made. And because of that, you're now going to have to deal with the current situation that you find yourselves in, whether good or bad. 
But what is so important about this reminder for Israel is not that they screwed up or that they should have done some things differently because we can easily begin to live in the past and thinking about how we should have changed or what we should have done differently. But this reminder points out that their story doesn't end here. I mean, sometimes it feels like when we screw up that we're done. That's it. There's no more story. But this reminder for Israel leads to verse 25, a key passage not just for Israel, but for everyone in the world to hear. Verse 25, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake, and I will never think of them again. For as much as God is a God of justice, he is also a God of amazing grace. And for he and only he can forgive and forget sins. And no matter what sinful choices you have made in your past, God has, a way of, God has made a way to get rid of them and that he will never think of them again. And there is no mistake that you can make that God's grace can't handle. I'm going to say that again. There's no mistake that you can make that God's grace can't handle. And in these moments where we find we screwed up to be shown this kind of amazing grace is life changing. And this is where we were reminded that God had a plan. A plan greater than anything he had ever done before. And this is the hope of Christ. That God sent his son Jesus to become the sacrifice needed to blot out the sin in our life. That we can have a fresh start and navigate any situation we find ourselves in with hope that God is working in and through our life and that one day we will be face to face with our Savior who will look at us and say, welcome home. Now that's a hope worth living for. So as we prepare for a new season, whether you find it a good or bad one, here are a couple takeaways from the words of Isaiah this morning. First one is this, remember the past, but don't live in it. As I was reading this passage and it was talking about Moses and the Exodus, um, I immediately recalled the events that happened. Okay, so as you can remember, they, after being slaves in Egypt for an awfully long time, by God's power, He led the Egyptian or the uh, Israelites out of Egypt, right out the front door. And then in the desert, God did some amazing miracles, some amazing stories in the desert. But somewhat of a reoccurring theme for Israel during this time was living in the past. I mean, in the midst of these miracles, they constantly were complaining about how horrible their life was being in the desert and how they should just give up and go back to Egypt. And it makes me wonder, what if they did? I mean, what if they did just give up and go back to Egypt? How would, how would their story be different? How would our story be different? I mean, think about all the amazing things that they would have missed out on. When we live in the past, we miss what God is doing in the present and we get and getting to see where he leads us to next in the future. Basically, living in the past has the potential to kill the future. And so while we shouldn't live in the past, we do need to remember it. Even God continually reminds Israel about the past. And one of the things you'll notice in the Old Testament is that when something amazing happens, they would build an altar to God right there in that space. And then as people would walk by it, they would remember that God did something there. 
And that's uh, by remembering you find hope and reassurance in God. And that's why our Next Gen team focuses so much on the idea of what we call milestone markers. Paying attention to the moments where God shows up in our lives. Because years later when we find ourselves struggling or doubting, we can look back at our life and we can remember that God showed up here in my life. And he showed up here and he did something amazing here. And we can remember And it gives us hope and reassurance to know that God is real and he's been involved in my life in the past and he will continue to be with me in the future. So remember the past, but don't live in it. Secondly, look for water in the desert. At some point, we find ourselves entering into a difficult season, our deserts, and so when the lies that you are completely alone or no one cares for you begin to set in, it's important for us to look for refreshing water. Sometimes it's a song on the radio or a passage of scripture that stands out to us or even just a friend who comes and visits you. It can be so refreshing. And sometimes like digging a well, you might have to dig for some water. You might have to actually go to a friend and say, I need help. Or you might uh, have to actually be a little more honest by telling people how you really are doing. But when that water comes, be refreshed so that you can continue to move forward in the midst of your desert. And lastly, we need to get on board with what God is doing. A lot of times when we live in the past or find ourselves in the desert, it is hard to get excited and motivated for something Else, But even while Israel was in the midst of their exile, God said, get excited because what I'm about to do is going to rock your world. And when we live with that hope, that confident expectation in God, we can see our past and our deserts a little differently. And we can not only get excited and be part of something bigger that not only changes us, but will change the world around us. So get on board with what God is doing And so whatever season you find yourself in this morning, uh, whether it be good or bad, let us remember the hope worth living for. And that's what we get to remember this morning with communion. That we are reminded of God's plan to sacrifice his son on a cross as a way to save the world. And because of that, we are reminded of the most amazing grace that we have been given. And we are reminded that our hope doesn't end with death, but continues with life. Amen? So as we move into communion, take a couple of moments to reflect on the significance of this meal and offer prayers of repentance and thanksgiving as we prepare our hearts for this time.